and welcome to episode number two of MACMA's Audience Architect, where we are crafting the future of audience engagement. I'm your host, Bill Levine. Our mission, to dive into the intricacies of the ever-evolving media, publishing, and events landscape through the sharp lens of audience and marketing professionals. Each episode will unravel the meaning and perspective on trends that are shaping our industry. For our inaugural, and this, the second episode, we've chosen a topic that is not just a trend, but a revolution. Uh, The impact of artificial intelligence, AI, on the publishing, media, and news industries. In that first episode, we talked to Greg Crable, a publishing industry expert and thought leader, to get a wide-lens perspective on the impact of AI on our industries. This week, I'm thrilled that we'll move the conversation to the corner office and talk to Paul Miller, CEO of Questex. But first, a word from MACMA, the Media Audience and Content Marketers Association. Thanks to Lisa Pastilli and the gang, these are the folks who are launching this new Audience Architect podcast series. Supercharge your career with MACMA's paid membership, connect with industry experts, thought leaders, and like-minded professionals, expand your knowledge, and stay ahead with networking events, webinars, and conferences. Join today at www.the-macma.org for unparalleled value and professional growth. Okay, so let's rock and roll. As we explore the realm of artificial intelligence on Audience Architect, we've got a special guest who's got a vested interest, shall we say, on these fascinating changes. He's the CEO of Questex, Paul Miller, a key player in the events and publishing industry. And by way of background, Paul is a forward-thinking leader with a keen ability and track record of growing businesses, having led and grown businesses with revenues ranging from 30 to $250 million in both privately and publicly held companies. Before leading Questex, Paul held key positions in several major companies as president of Informa's Industry and Infrastructure Intelligence to Penton's Industry and Penton's Industry Group, managing diverse uh, portfolios across multiple markets. At UBM, he held numerous managerial roles, including as CEO of UBM Tech, where he spearheaded digital and international expansion. His career kicked off with Read Business Information. Paul's unique position gives him insightful perspectives on how AI might be shaping our industry's future. So let's dive straight into the conversation. It's my pleasure to welcome Mr. Paul Miller to our show today. Paul, welcome and good morning from the steamy and stormy hot suburbs of New York City. Yeah, yeah thank you, Bill. Great to be here. And I was thinking that this this huge thunderstorm I think we're both experiencing is uh, it's probably uh, a good analogy for uh, the topic we're going to be chatting about as well. Although lightning never strikes twice in the same place, I think AI might. (laughs) Very true. So you've been quite busy on the road of late attending some of your big shows. Like I I noticed on your site, you said that you have a goal of visiting 100 countries in every state in the USA. How's all that going? (laughs) Wow. Yeah, you've done your research. Um, The the every state in the USA, I actually completed uh, that goal um, uh, actually in COVID when I rented an RV and drove across country uh, to move from the West Coast, where I had made my home for 20 plus years over to the East Coast. So um, West Virginia, uh, for anybody that's interested, was the 50th state that I needed to get. Uh, on the countryside, uh, I, I haven't done a recent count, but I, 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 I know I'm somewhere in the mid 60s, 65 or 66. So let's start with a, another quote from you on your website. You said, um, I don't want to evolve the information services 
business. I want Questex to play a role in the revolution of the information services business to one that creates meaningful experiences and business opportunities to drive our economy. So where do you think AI fits in in that mission? And how do you see AI impacting your company's competitive advantage in the future? Yeah, it's a, good, it's a great question. Um, I, I think I'd, I'd sort of have to start with the the overarching kind of viewpoint that we have here at Questex, and and this this is a it, it, for me personally is, is is a fairly long held view, and and that is that we are in a a really significantly important uh, place in the industries that we serve. There's a lot of trust involved, and I think I'll be using that word a lot, Bill, in, in this conversation. Uh, the trust is is that we are producing uh, great content that uh, is not for sale. Uh, it's independent and it's fiercely independent. Uh, that creates information that help our audiences um, either evaluate or discover or, or in some cases potentially acquire or buy product or solutions. And we do that in a, both the digital format and, and in an event format. And I think where the revolution comes from is the, the ability to connect people's content consumption habits with what they're really looking for in terms of a um, a, a, a kind of a, a live experience. Um, so where AI comes into all of this, uh, I believe, is that it's going to really help with time. And the time situation is where, where I think, again, I'll be talking a lot about on this particular call. Uh, that situation is where, you know, people have lots of things they can do with their time and lots of demands on their time. And I think AI... Uh, when it reaches the promise that I think it is going to reach, by the way, it's going to end up saving people a lot of time, helping them make much more use of the time that they have control over. And that only leads to greater efficiencies and I think better buyer-seller connections. So there's a lot to unpack in all of that, I know, but that's, that, that would be my overarching answer to the question. While it may not have a significant presence in, in Questex yet, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, how do you foresee it I impacting the industry as a whole? I mean, what, what we've done so far is um, we've encouraged um, everybody at Questex to engage and, um, and, and experiment uh, and basically welcome uh, this, this new technology. We, we, we do believe that um, uh, coming from a position of fear is, is never a good thing with technology. Embrace it. Um, experiment, utilize, uh, and share learnings, uh, because I think that's frankly where we are as a company with, with, with this particular um, uh, technology advance. Uh, the the other thing we did very early on is be because we back to that trust word because we are a very content driven organization that that helps us build audience which is in my opinion the core of our entire strategy uh, we did issue very early on for our editorial teams um, uh, uh, basically a code of conduct with uh, with with really chat GPT but AI in general and and, and that was to make sure that. You know, we, we made it very clear that uh, we're not going to publish any content that is that is generated by by AI. That that's going to be a human thing. Um, yes, we can use it for uh, prompting questions on on drafts for for say event content. Yes, we can use it for a first draft marketing copy. Uh, yes, we can use it for some of our. Um, 
uh, newsletter uh, kind of uh, research, but we're not going to publish anything un unless uh, one of our editors actually writes that particular piece. And, and I think that code of conduct, which I, which I thought at the time was kind of necessary, not, not mass massively innovative, as I've shared that with colleagues in the industry, I, I think it, it turns out that that actually is a really important first step here. Um, you know, encourage people to experiment with this, share your learnings, um, but at the same time, don't uh, use it to replace the great stuff you do, which is really to create human interaction. Uh, I think, Bill, at the end of the day, you know, we're, we're about half of our revenues are digital marketing services and about half are live events. Um, it, it has proven very difficult to replace the live human interaction. And we found that through COVID and, and we're seeing it now in, in the surge back of attendance at events. You know, people crave that human interaction. And, and, and I believe that AI is only going to accelerate and exaggerate that. Um, uh, and in a way, therefore, I see it as a, as a huge business advantage to us. Helps our team save time, help, helps us, I think, um, do some, some nice creative things around curation. Uh, but at the end of the day, that human involvement in our business, I think, is going to continue to be really, really important. How do you see AI enhancing the personalization of the live events uh, for attendees at Questex? Because as you said, the human experience um, is, is, is such a big part of it. How can AI help that? I, this is where I get really excited, actually, about the technology. Um, I, I have a goal in my, in my mind that one day uh, every attendee uh, at every one of our events will have a suggested curated experience. Um, for instance, based on your content consumption habits on our websites, we believe you should visit the following booths, attend uh, the following conference sessions, and here are some people you may want to meet up with who have similar interests. Um, I, I don't believe it, it's a, um, a mandated uh, event experience, but I think it, it is a curated, suggested experience. If people want to follow it, great. And if, and if they do, please feed back to us if it, if it worked for you. If they don't want to follow it, that's fine as well. But I, I do believe that there's, there's, two, there's two things happening at the same time here that are converging. One is um, uh, the technology that we're talking about here, the, the, the artificial intelligence technology. The other is, is that um, post-COVID, uh, a lot of folks over the age of 50 actually retired from the workforce. And a lot of those people, because they were in senior roles, were the ones that normally attended events. Now we're finding that younger professionals are attending events. And frankly, I don't think they're going to be content with the um, hundreds of years of, a, of event experiences that have been produced in the past, i.e. you've registered, see you there, and good luck. Um, and, you know, people sort of wander around serendipity sort of is, is the word people use. They wander around booths. They stumble into a conference session. I believe that AI gives us the ability when the promise is fully realized of curating that experience a little bit more for that professional who is frankly going to be looking for a little bit more. I don't think they're going to be content with, with just showing up and, and discovering. I think they're going to want a little bit more. And I do believe this technology holds the promise of being able to do that at scale. 
It's interesting that you say that because I think that um, whether it's the baby boomer boomer generation um, or the ones that immediately followed it, we all thought that um, first ask Jeeves and then the search engine and Google itself was just the most amazing technology ever created. But I think I'm seeing the experience too with millennials in my life who, first of all, they're not really interested in like searching for links and doing more homework. They're interested in getting answers to their questions. And of course, they're going to put a filter on it as to whether, you know, this is going to meet their needs or not, but it gives them a huge head start. It almost seems like that'll be a, a, a baseline of what people will expect in the future to have this kind of recommendation engine. No? Uh, yeah, I, I think so. And I think again, and, and, and I, I promise I'd belabor the point, but I think it comes down again to time. I mean, there are so many things that are demanding attention and time today. And, uh, you know, it's, it's been a long while since uh, we, we, we used to talk about the attention economy, but it, it hasn't got any better. There's more demands on people's time. So, you know, what you just explained in, in, in that kind of, uh, I'm not willing anymore as, 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 as a professional to, or, or I'm not content, let's say, just to search, you know, I'd, I'd rather there were recommendations because that helps save me time. And if they're smart recommendations and if they're the ones where I find that my experience is enhanced, I save time, I got, I, I got a better experience because of that. Uh, I think that's really the underpinning of of all of this, frankly. And um, with with AI, uh, as with any technology, uh, and I didn't coin this phrase, but I truly believe it, you know, we're going to go through this phase that we're currently going through of uh, lots of um, fear, uncertainty, doubt, you know, nail-biting, hang-wringing, oh, my goodness, it's the end of the world as we know it. Nobody's going to have a job anymore. Uh, we're going to see a lot of that, and we're also going to see a lot of hype. You know, everybody's going to be inserted into their quarterly earnings. Hey, things are great, but they're going to get even better because we really get AI. And that kind of exuberance is is really what happens with every new technology. People kind of overestimate what it's going to do in the short term. But in the long term, I think we also underestimate technology because we can't really see what it's going to do really uh, in 10 years or so. Um, and, and eventually I think this technology is, is going to be, uh, as disruptive as many people have said, uh, as the cell phone, as the introduction of the internet, as the introduction of the PC. Uh, I just don't think we can totally see what that's going to be. Um, nobody foresaw that Amazon was going to go, you know, from selling books to where it is today or you know, disrupting almost the entire retail industry. Uh, and there are plenty of other examples like that. So. I think we're in that early stage of fear, uncertainty, doubt, you know, irrational exuberance. We're at the very getting to the very top of the hype curve, I think, as Gartner would say. Uh, But none of the above should stop us uh, from embracing and experimenting and uh, really thinking strategically about how we think this is going to impact our business, because it is going to help people become more efficient. I think there's no doubt about that. I was thinking, um, as you were saying that you talked about that, uh, audience, um, development is at the core of, of your strategy. So, uh, whether it's the event side or the publishing side, uh, how can you, have you, have you seen in some of the early experimentation, um, at, at your firm, um, some success in how to approach, um, 
utilizing AI for, for audience development, because as we all know, uh, while the prognostication that email is dead is far from true, we also understand that, uh, you know, we used to see um, open rates and engagement rates off the chart when things started. And, uh, you know, all of us are sending millions and millions of emails out and there is a fatigue level. So how, 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 how might you or what have you seen in the early going here that gives you some promise about AI and audience development? Yeah, we also send out a lot of emails, so um, we're, we're not we're not immune from that. Uh, we have a, a huge newsletter business. Uh, I, I think, firstly, on 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 things like emails, um, you, you know, the, the, there is a sort of there's always a flight to quality. So, so people at the end of the day, then the and the reason open rates start off really high, and and then they. They, uh, they they subside is because people realize, how hey, this is not really giving me what I want. I'm not getting a, a good sort of ROI on my time by um, by opening this email and, and and reading what I'm reading. So I think I think there's always a um, uh, the challenge of how do you main, maintain uh, your quality? How do you maintain your relevance? How do you maintain your, the excitement that the reader has when that email hits hits their inbox? Um, uh, every morning, and, and I and I think this is where AI can really help, and, and and an area where we're starting to take a look at things using the technology, which is, you know, w- which subject matter headlines uh, increase open rates, which story types tend to um, increase engagement. Uh, very early days, Bill, so I, I don't want to over over promise here and pretend we've got this nailed, but that's the kind of area on that specific email example that we're looking at. We have had some early success in, I would say, first draft marketing copy. Um, our marketing teams who were uh, were spending, uh, you know, a lot of time on kind of the rinse and repeat uh, type uh, marketing materials for conferences um, uh, or conference tracks um, have started to see some time saving by um, by prompting ChatGPT for some examples of how we could uh spruce up the copy spruce up the um the description um and we're starting to do a few things around um our our audience database and trying to search for some intelligence around how people are reacting and responding to our various marketing outreaches um but i'd say uh we're not we're not at the front of the the roller coaster on this one and, and i'm quite content not to be at the front um uh, i think we're we're probably sitting in the middle as a b2b media and information services company um this this is just something we're, we're doing a lot of um experimenting and learning with right now we'll be right back Hey, Midwest U.S. publishing and media pros, want a taste of the super informative content experts and peer networking I mentioned having experience from the New York MACMA Industry Day? Keep your September calendar flexible and open and join your colleagues at a MACMA event this coming September in Chicago for a gathering of the most influential minds in media publishing, events, and marketing, all under one roof to explore the forefront of audience development. This event will transcend the ordinary, offering an experience that will empower you to harness the latest trends and innovations to drive exceptional results. I know, as I said in my first episode, the inaugural one, this is a tease, a trailer. We don't have specifics at this moment, dates and locations, but we will very soon. Registration is opening very soon. Um, So follow MACMA on LinkedIn for more info or again, www 
www.the-magma.org. And now back to our show. Um, as far as event planning itself, um, can you share any experiences where, where Questex might be using some of these predictive analytics to, to drive decisions around event planning or content creation? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and this is, again, this is not just through um, uh, the advent of, of AI, because this, this is a, a core strategy of ours at Questex. has been uh, mine for a long time, actually, uh, at other companies that you mentioned. Uh, so firstly, um, the, there's, there's the, a, a beautiful thing that happens when you have great trusted content, and that is that people tend to visit it, read it, uh, in some cases linked to other content that you have on your website, which produces obviously a, a great deal of data and analytics. Uh, so you get to see thing, you know, what type of content is, is really resonating with your audience. And in some cases, what kind of guest writers or, or guest bloggers are resonating with your audience. And then when you connect that with your event planning teams, you get to say to them, hey, we don't seem to have anything on, I'll choose a subject, uh, sensors in, uh, in self-driving cars for our upcoming conference. But we're seeing from our um, editorial data that actually that's our top producing uh, subject matter right now. And we have uh, this person and she is garnering more attention than anybody else that, that's writing for us. How about we try to pick her up as a speaker, promote it to these specific people that are reading these stories and don't promote it as a the classic, hey, come to our show, but promote it as the hey, it looks like you're interested in this particular subject matter. We've got this person speaking at the show. We think it would be great use of your time if you came uh, to see her speak. Please register here. And what we're finding with that, Bill, is that, um, A, the, um, the open rate on the email increases, and, B, the actual flow through to registering for the event increases, and that's empirical data. Um, I only see AI as, as helping um, basically – in many cases, I think it might be the the oil or the gas for that that actual process. It might just speed it up, uh, and it might allow uh, the marketers and the event planners to um, query uh, on a real time basis. Hey, what's really working out there? So we that's baked into our DNA. That is uh, that is a that is a Questex principle, if you will. Um, it's it's it might sound quite simple in in today's internet age but actually um what i was finding is is that we were not doing that as an event industry it was basically the classic was 16 weeks out let's launch the website and uh send out the prospectus uh so i, I our event planners our content planners our conference producers are fully engaged with our editorial teams who are producing content for newsletters and websites and those analytics are helping us uh, produce much more relevant uh, marketing and, frankly, an event experience. Because when people get there live, they get to experience either the person and or the content that they have been interested in in the last six months. The other part of that, by the way, which I think is uh, a side benefit but really important, is that people that are reading things uh, intently um, are showing their own intent to, quotes buy uh, that particular solution. Uh, so you're, you're, you're getting kind of great 
and great news for the exhibitors and the sponsors and great news for the uh, the content uh, attendees in that you you have a very engaged very relevant audience and and that that i think is where that's where this technology i think holds great promise in in us being able to do that faster and with even even greater intelligence i was thinking of you know some of the cdps the customer data platforms that facilitate this kind of um discovery of of these uh, behavioral and content consumption uh patterns and mm-hmm. that ai's enhancing of it really can I think as you were putting it, sort of connect the dots more readily between specific buyers and sellers. And, you know, now back to the earlier portion of your comment about the tangible uh, increase in, in productivity that you've seen in, in some of your promotions. We've always looked at that sort of, um, you know, me- me- mecca of one-to-one marketing. Yet, uh, I think in a lot of our industries, we still see so much of a emphasis on, you know, just pure quantity, just pure volume, pure blasting. And I think this really, in some ways, marks the, uh, marks a really, really promising next stage where we can actually prove the case that let's just not blast the whole universe. Let's really try to target and score who might be the best prospects and what content might be the most interesting and, uh, and then build on that, right? I, I think so. I mean, I, I think it was always the the, the kind of foundational promise uh, of, of B2B media, um, which is where I've spent my entire career. Uh, I, I am reminded, as you're speaking, of, of an old boss of mine who, who once told me that uh, media is is the result of ego and accident. Um, and and I, and I always thought, wow, that 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 doesn't sound like a great business to be in. Things could go wrong there. Uh, and I think that since really the advent of the internet, since 1994 and Netscape, um, we, we have slowly uh, started to eliminate ego and accident and become much more data-driven and client-focused in our industry. Uh, but it has been quite slow, Bill. And, 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 I, and I think your, your point is, is that the promise is has always been there of being relevant of being data driven uh of providing the right content at the right time to the right person uh and i again i i think this this entire subject why it's so exciting is that i i think it only helps us do that well let's take a step back about sort of um you know the education and the onboarding process for for you and your your teams you know we all have day jobs and you know we 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 will talk about ai i think we're obsessed with ai my my personal experience with it has been pretty revolutionary um but you know how do you balance it where you how do how does your how do your team stay updated on on these new technologies like ai and its potential applications you know while still keeping the uh the train on the tracks <laughs> yeah i if any of my team is listening i'm i'm probably going to um give the wrong answer here because uh, we, we, we are like everybody. We're, we're very busy and we do have a day job and uh, we're, we're also a company that's growing very fast, which, which increases the demands on, on everybody in the company. Uh, again, uh, by the way, we're back to that time issue again here. So um, uh, I think it's, a, it's, it's an interesting segue. I think this comes back to culture, Bill, and that's probably a word you weren't expecting me to throw out in on this particular interview, but the, the, 
the the principles that we laid out for the company uh, five years ago, uh, there, there are six principles. I won't read them all out to you, but the one that's very important and relevant to your question is is curiosity. We 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 want people at this company to be curious. In fact, we celebrate curiosity. You know, bring bring to the meeting something you've discovered, you've read, you you saw, you spoke to somebody about over the weekend. Bring it in. Let let's let's sh- share that um, that learning. So that kind of cultural uh, foundation, if you will, or pillar, one of our pillars of of, of the culture here at QuestX, I think means that people. Uh, are, are are celebrated and 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 recruited and um, we we we, we kind of look all the time for uh, you know what are you discovering in your industry what are you discovering that's going on and, and in our industry what are we discovering about what's working and not working so I'm personally a voracious reader of of, of all types of of stuff. Not a lot of business uh, books, but a, a lot, a lot of fiction and a lot of um, uh, non-fiction kind of historic, historical reality, and uh, uh, and I, and I think you know that 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 curiosity is what uh, helps our, our teams um, add the discovery of how um, AI can help them in their job to their day job. Because I think you're right. Uh, this this is this is extra time. It, it's extra work. It's it's probably after hours work. It might even be a, Hey, I'm just going to play around with this uh, tonight after five o'clock after I've completed my other tasks. Um, so I hope I'm right in saying that, that, um, that pillar of our, of our company of, of be curious is something that leads folks to want to experiment with technologies like this. Um, you know, I, I, all I can tell you is, is that when I reached out to the company about, eight, 10 weeks ago, I forget the actual timeline and said, Hey, anybody out there that's done anything with chat GPT that they share with me, I got a whole slew. I, I mean, I was expecting maybe two or three answers. I got a whole slew of answers. Paul, I tried it for this. Paul, I've tried it for this. And, and I mean, you know, dozens and dozens of answers. We're only a 250 person company and, and I got dozens and dozens of answers. And it's an incredible response to something that we hadn't even pushed into the organization. We hadn't asked people to do, um, but they were already doing it. And, and I think that does, it does show that we, we have a, uh, a whole set of folks that are, that are very curious about how they can make things better. Hmm. Well, for the moment, um, I'm actually going to double down on the culture word um, because I think as we all have learned, um, even though, uh, the pandemic and the great resignation, so to speak, um, may be over. There's no question that uh, I think workers want to feel more fulfilled that they're in a place where they can demonstrate their true abilities. So um, how do you as a leader in general foster a culture of innovation and adaptability in the face of these kinds of rapidly evolving technologies? You know, I, I spent the majority of my career as, as and, and you kind of referred to this in the opening in, in the technology space uh, and, and most of it, frankly, in the deep technology space of semiconductors and uh, and the electronic circuitry that uh, that drives much of the innovation we're, we're talking about right now. Um, and having lived and worked in Silicon Valley for, for over 20 years, there are a few, a few things that that 
I personally have learned and, 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 I, and I've tried to sort of share with, with any kind of groups that I've worked with. Um, the, the first one, and I think it's really, really important, and, and it is a, a really a cultural facet, is don't be scared. Um, the, you know, technology advances like uh, AI, uh, like the cell phone, like the Internet um, are, are, are huge changes. And, and, and as we all know, change is not something that humans are, are pre-wired to, to en- embrace and celebrate. Change is actually something to be feared. And, and that is that's pre-wired into our brains. So there's, there's you know, there's, there's nothing we can do about that initial kind of rush of fear. Hey, my job is going to be replaced by machines. Or I think Elon Musk yesterday was talking about um, uh, Terminator and, uh, and uh, you know, the fear of what AI and machines are going to do for us. Um, so the first thing culturally is to remove the fear um, and, and basically to let people know that we want you to embrace this. We want you to try uh, to use this technology and we want you to share what you're learning. And, it, and if you do uh, have feelings of fear that you think it's going to replace your job, let's talk about it. Why? Uh, what parts of the job is it going to replace? And frankly, what, what might that open up for you in that you could spend more time on things that you enjoy and or are, have greater impact? So, so I think culturally uh, innovation doesn't tend to happen when people are scared. Uh, when people are scared, they tend to stop innovation because uh, it, it, it only uh, adds to the fear. So you have to remove that. And then secondly, you know, I, I used to hear a lot uh, in, in sort of the, the early parts of my career, hey, we, we are a company that, quote, celebrates failure. And um, it was always a great sort of line, but it actually wasn't true. Um, nobody celebrates failure. Um, and, and I think you have to be completely authentic and transparent about this. Failure is not nice. Um, failure means something went wrong. But I think, I think what you've got to do is encourage failure and then learn from failure. I don't think you, you quote, celebrate it. I've never been a fan of that uh, particular phrase. Uh, so, so it's all, again, about removing the, the obstacles that are, that are human obstacles, and they're mainly in people's minds, and if you can do that, you can start then to to see innovation happen. Then what I think you do is is you celebrate both the process of innovation. Here's how it happened, and then you celebrate the people that have success with it. Um, just yesterday, actually, we 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 had our, our all company town hall, and I was able to share the results of our latest employee engagement survey, um, but also um, uh, to give out our quarterly awards. And um, it, it's it's my favorite part of my quarterly town hall is is to publicly reward people who have been nominated by their peers for their innovative work in, in, in the previous quarter. And I think when you do that, people start to understand, hey, I, I don't need to be scared of these things. I'm going to embrace them and I'm going to I'm going to be uh, rewarded and celebrated publicly um, if if that uh, works out. We, we have we have awards for process. We have awards for customer focus. We have awards for sales. We have awards for content. We, we have um, you know awards that basically are not just about, hey, I I launched a great product. It, it's about all of the things that customers were delighted. The process was well was well produced. Um, and that I think is where you start to get a culture of innovation and, and it's, um, 
it's an ongoing job. It doesn't, you don't just create the culture and then say, well, that's done. You have to keep it going. And, and it's, it's work. I think it does stem from the top, but um, I also believe it's got to permeate every, every part of your organization. No, and I, I think that um, if you get um, responses after your town hall from, you know, the frontline workers, um, you know you're successful uh, because at that point it's getting through to everybody. Um, so I, I really applaud you for your, for your efforts there. And I was actually then also thinking about and curious about um, what you were saying about that you got dozens of um, responses to your open question about what are you seeing in AI of, of any nature that's interesting and might apply to the business. And I was, I was wondering um, from those responses, did you glean anything interesting in terms of, you know, whether say, I know you are Questex is in several different uh, business areas, healthcare, uh, hospitality and travel, etc. Yeah. Were there any particular industries where you saw the comments clustering around or did you see any other responses or data that uh, unearthed some interesting patterns from your, from your teams? Huh. Interestingly, I, I, I didn't think of it from that perspective, but as, as I, so I try to think back to as to where it came from. We we got a, we got a lot of responses. For, I would say the answer, the this quick answer would be it didn't change by vertical market. And we're we're in, as you mentioned, we're in vertical markets that range from hospitality, bars, restaurants, hotels, gyms, spas, uh, all the way through to life sciences, healthcare, communications, technology. So so we're in a we're in a sort of a wide array of, uh, of vertical markets. We have five actually that, 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 um, we're involved in. I don't think there was any difference if I remember correctly in terms of where the responses came from industry wise, I would say that the sort of functionally, there were more responses from content creators and, and the marketing groups than I would say came from, uh, say sales or operations, and then the next group was really our, our sort of performance marketing business, our data business, which I, I guess you'd expect. Um, uh, but yeah, that, that, that was kind of where it came from. And again, you know, not prompted didn't over solicit, didn't say I want marketing examples, but, but that was the natural response kind of grouping, I'd say. I think that's really cool. Particularly, I was interested that uh, the content creators were um, ha had such a large response. Uh, I, I found a really mixed bag right now in that regard, both in, in my company and others that I've talked to. Um, but for those who embrace it, you know, they 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 fully understand that you know. Uh, chat GPT or other chatbots can can hallucinate, and obviously a, a really healthy amount of editing and fact checking. You know, more first draft stuff, as I think you were saying. Mm -hmm. um, and then I do find the others in that category of uh, it's not necessarily fear; it's just, I guess, burying their head under the sand. But I think uh, over time, with with tactics uh, like like you guys are doing, we'll overcome that. Um, I, I I am now. My CFO brain, which I'm not a CFO, but I'm putting it on, putting on the CFO cap for a minute um, in jumping topics here is regarding the implementation cost and complexity. So I, I know we're just at the beginning, but I'm, I'm sensing it, adopting AI solutions can be costly and complex over time. Um, so have you, how have you thought about that at all, if at all, yet? 
Not very much is <laughs> the, the straight answer. Um, look, uh, uh, we we invest a lot of our resources um, and energy and money into data. Um, it, it is, it, you know, it, it, it's it's a core. Uh, part of our business, um, uh, I I think we're increasingly becoming a data-driven business uh, in all areas: uh, uh, content, of, uh, events, uh, that that curation of um, experiences. Um, so, from a financial perspective, I think uh, my CFO would say to you that um, this is an area where we invest a, a significant amount of our resources and time and money is, is into the area of, of data uh, and the technology kind of framework that we, we've put around that data. I think this will probably end up going into that budget pool. Um, at the moment, I don't see that uh, it certainly hasn't reached me, Bill, that we're spending a great deal of money on on this uh, could we uh, sure um is is that additive or does it replace something i i honestly don't know right now well i think that that's um probably a good place uh to wrap the body of our conversation because uh you know there's i think we're going to see waves of evolving changes with these ai chatbots and um so more shall be revealed um one of my favorite uh podcasters um is Ezra Klein of the New York Times um and at the end of his podcast he always asks his guest um what are three books that you're reading now that influence you. And since you said before you, 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 um, you do invest some of your time in, in that arena, I'll ask you that same question. What books that you might be finding interesting either on this topic or anything in our industry are you, have you been hitting up lately? I don't know if any, I, I can tell you the three books that are on my nightstand right now. And, and <laughs> it's funny, I smiled when you asked the question because there's, there's some of these might be su- surprises. The, the book I'm, I'm, I'm reading um, pretty uh, aggressively is called The Wager. And um, that is a book about a uh, historical um, voyage of some warships from uh, Britain uh, against the Spanish Armada. And, and there's a, there's a, a shipwreck and I I'm only a third of the way through. I'm, I, I think there's going to be a mutiny. And uh, basically as the story goes, uh, people survived after everybody thought they were dead. This is way back in the 1700s, by the way. And, um, it turns out that, um, the survivors were celebrated as they found their way back to the UK. And then about whatever it was in a few months time, uh, some other survivors came back with a totally different story of uh, actually what happened. So there's, to relate it back to business, there's leadership uh, aspects of this, there's team building aspects of this, there's uh, thriving in adversity aspects of this. So there's, um, there's lots of applications I could put uh, towards business and leadership, but it, it is, it is truly a nonfiction uh, book about uh, something that happened. And, and uh, in the author's note, he says, you will have to make your own mind up because uh 
Uh, it happened so long ago, we don't really have a, a final conclusion. So that's book number one. Sorry, the wager. I won't go into, into this in great detail. The second book I'm reading is uh, The History of the Subhumans, who are a punk band that I knew from um, uh, my life in the UK when I was a lot younger. And uh, they were a band that had some influence on my younger years. So uh, there's a huge tome that has just been uh, published on on that band. So that's great fun for me to read. Uh, and the last book that I'm that I actually just finished is uh, I think it's called Ki- Killing of the Flower Moon or Killers of the Flower Moon, um, and it is about uh, the Native American, the richest Native Americans, and, and actually the richest citizens in America who discovered oil on their land, which they were pushed into, and how they were exploited, and uh, there were a series of murders that happened, and it actually became the beginning of of the FBI, uh, J. Edgar Hoover. So it's really the history of how the FBI started. And uh, that that has just been made into a movie. So um, that, that'll be very interesting. And uh, so you got to, you got to, I think all three of those actually are, are, are actually nonfiction uh, books, which is a bit unusual. I normally try to have some fiction involved in my reading, but uh, as you can tell, none of those are quotes, business books. Well, um, certainly no mutiny at Questex, I believe, is continuing <laughs> <not> to, <laughs> to go down that path of, of communication and sharing and curiosity uh, and encouragement. Um, thank you, Paul. I, I appreciate your taking the time uh, from your prolific road tripping to share your perspectives on AI and other things uh, on Magna's Audience podcast. Um, and for the audience, of course, you can learn more about Questex at www.questex.com. That's Q-U-E-S-T-E-X.com. Paul, thanks again. Bill, it's an absolute pleasure. Thank you.